that public confidence is going to need to be built, and it can be built over time. And if the government say, well, actually, we recognise that public confidence needs a boost, and this is how we're going to do it, we're going to say that those people who have been vaccinated can go into pubs, and we recognise it's only a temporary measure, but it's designed to rebuild confidence, that might work. That was advocate David Cadden, and this is the Bailiwick Podcast with me, James Filial. Every Friday, we'll be publishing an in-depth look at a big story which has hit the headlines this week, taking you behind the scenes, sieving the details, sussing out what matters, and chewing over how it fits into our lives. Now, along with aerosol dispersal, self-isolation, and the alcohol content of hand sanitizer, a vaccine passport is yet another concept which COVID has forced us to get our heads around in the last 12 months. As well as the obvious health issues caused by the virus, it's also challenged us to reconsider how much we value our freedom and what we will accept being removed or suspended. This is a year when we've all accepted being ordered to stay at home for most of each day, wearing a face mask just to go shopping and not seeing loved ones for months on end. Will we also accept being compelled to have a particular medical procedure, a vaccine, if we want to do something like travel without needing to isolate? Exactly what is meant by a vaccine passport, that's still unclear, but already the government is under a lot of pressure to make travel easier by removing some of the restrictions they have imposed for those who have had the vaccine. Remember, at the moment, that's less than half the population, with the full programme expected to complete in September. That clearly poses questions around our liberties, around data protection, around discrimination, or concepts which normally we leap to protect. To explore some of those issues, I'm joined this week in the Bailiwick studio by advocate David Cadden, the managing partner for Bedell Christian Jersey. Welcome to the podcast. Now, at a very simple level, if government wants us to be vaccinated, shouldn't they just make it a legal requirement? Absolutely. That's the clearest way of getting vaccine passports into circulation. It's transparent. It will allow a proper debate around the issue. But it also means that it's not a, an individual choice of businesses. And I think that's important. If governments want us to be vaccinated, they can mandate it. And they've done this sort of stuff elsewhere in the world. You know, France had a no jab, no play policy, no jab, no school policy for children who didn't have the MMR vaccination. The same in Australia. Yet no government's done that in relation to the COVID vaccine. What's the reasoning behind the government not doing that, do you think? It is speculation, but I think at this stage, the science is evolving. So there's no hard and fast and firm foundation upon which to say vaccine passports show your COVID status. I also think that throughout this pandemic, we've all been exercising social responsibility to our fellow humans. We've all agreed to stay at home. There's been a few breaches, but actually people on the main have looked after themselves and looked after their fellow citizens. And they will have to do that again in the future. And if we mandate vaccine passports now, there's a real chance that that undermines all that goodwill and that social responsibility. So what are the issues um, the government needs to consider? Uh, so we're assuming that the government isn't going to insist on vaccinations because obviously there are people who, you know, who, who oppose vaccinations and that's, that's the, how they... That, you know they perceive the world. Um, so if the government isn't going to mandate it, is there a way legally, do you think, they can bring in um, this kind of tacit compulsion to do it via a vaccine passport? Yes, I think they can. 
but they need to be clear about what they want to achieve. And that's, that's at the moment, there, there seems to be a lack of clarity. So, for example, hospitality is a good, a, a good starting point. Pubs are currently closed. You can see pubs wanting to open, desperately wanting to open. But how confident are people about going into pubs? So that public confidence is going to need to be built, and it could be built over time. And if the government say, well, actually, we recognise that public confidence needs a boost, and this is how we're going to do it. We're going to say that those people who have been vaccinated can go into pubs, and we recognise it's only a temporary measure, but it's designed to rebuild confidence. That might work. That might be justifiable. It's going to stop a whole load of people going to pubs because they haven't been vaccinated, but it will allow pubs to reopen. But that's not discriminatory? It's No, it's not. It's discriminatory... In the sense that people under the age of 50 won't be able to go to pubs. But it's done for a specific purpose, it's proportionate, and the government will mandate it. So we're not talking about vaccine passports being required forever. We're talking about a very limited period for a limited purpose. And I can see that working. Whether pubs think this is a good idea or not is a completely different question. And the logistics of managing that, uh, the cost of managing that... Uh, those are for other people, but I can see that you could use it for a particular purpose. Does that not put a, a lot of onus, though, on, on... We're using pubs as an example, but it could be coffee shops, could be an airline, could be any, any sector, but using pubs as an, as an example, does it not put uh, the onus on the pub to then manage people's medical data, which they're not set up to do? Absolutely. So they would have to be very clear about what information they are obtaining how they're going to use it, where they're going to store it, and so on. And the data protection issues around this stuff, they've got huge implications. This is very sensitive personal data belonging to lots of different people. So if we're assuming pubs are are able to do that, presumably there's also then like a a timing issue. We're talking about trying to open up the economy now, but equally we're talking about having a structure to do that, which is going to need... Uh, thought it's going to need legal advice it's going to need logistics not something you can do in a few weeks no this is not a task to be rushed if vaccine passports realistically are going to be brought in they should be brought in once everyone's had the opportunity to have their both vaccines where the science has evolved a bit further we know what vaccine status means in terms of covid status and we're not discriminating against huge groups in society what about the, the timing issue in the sense that it's, it's the end of September, or September at least, uh, by which time, uh, according to the government's time frame, obviously they might accelerate that time frame, they might do it more quickly. But it, certainly when they set it out at the beginning, they were aiming for September as the time by which we would all have had two jabs if we wanted them. So is that not the starting point? Can you do vaccine passports before that? Because if you do, there are sections of the population who won't have had the opportunity to be vaccinated. You could. But I think you're right. It does look discriminatory. But I think if you've got a particular purpose that you're trying to achieve, so you're trying to... And this is in the States. They had a group of university students who wanted to go on spring break. So the government said, well, you can go on spring break if you get vaccinated. Not probably the most sensible thing to do, but at least it encouraged students to get vaccinated. Now, that's an entirely legitimate government policy. Now, one argument you hear regularly around vaccine passports is the human rights issue just scope that out for us what what does that actually mean and what um what what's the implication for doing it or not doing it from a human rights point of view so the human rights perspective is you're denying you're potentially denying people access to services 
We've talked about pubs. What about the bus company? What if you say you can't get on the bus unless you've got a vaccine passport? That doesn't sound fair. And throughout all of this, vaccine passports are a nice little soundbite, but the devil is always in the detail. And the question is, what do you do with people who don't have a vaccine passport? Now, you could say, well, okay, vaccine passport, that gives you a different grade of PPE, wear a, a thinner mask or something like that. that. That would appear fair. But otherwise, if you're saying you can't use a bus service, you can't go to shops, you can't go to coffee shops, that seems really unfair, and it is impacting on people's daily lives. And everyone is entitled to a right to have their life. So how does that, um, the, the, the human rights legislation, how does that sit vis-a-vis uh, -vis discrimination legislation? Which, which one comes first? They're all part of the same continuum. So human rights, discrimination, data protection, they're all part of the same thing. You know, you've got a right to the integrity of your information, your personal life. And if you breach that by asking the wrong question for... Not for, for no real purpose. You're breaching their data protection rights, you're discriminating against them, and you're potentially excluding them from great aspects of life. And that's not right. What about the precedent um, set? Obviously, you know, something that you, you know, in the legal world you need to, have, you need to think about regularly. What, um, what precedent might be set here by the government um, or a private company trying to deny access based on medical history? It's horrendous. It, it, so, my starting point on this is governments are interested in hospital provision. They're interested in, are you going to get sick? Are you going to take up a bed space in a hospital? So, governments and countries are interested in your vaccine status. So that, and there is precedent in the form of yellow fever jabs and so on. Yellow fever certificates mean you can or cannot enter an African country. So, we've got precedent. We also have a reason for governments and countries asking about your vaccine status. When you drop that down another level to coffee shops and other businesses, what's their purpose? Are you in the coffee shop long enough to potentially transmit the disease? Or are you, you're not, they're not interested if you're going to tie up a hospital bed. They're not interested in how sick you might get. So they have no legitimate interest in this. But still, they might be uh, allowing access or not to services based on it. So, it, I guess it, it's going to be um, an issue which um, which people like yourselves are going to be needing to think about over the next couple of years. Do, so, do, do you see do you see that as a way this is going to develop? That until this is tested in court, we won't really have clarity as to wh what exactly you can and can't do. I think we could see a. a it tested in court. I think what is likely to happen is the science will evolve. And one simple example is at the moment we don't know how long the vaccine status lasts. So if you've had your jab, is it six months, 12 months, two years? That's unclear. It's not surprising because the vaccine's only been rolled out in, in December and January. So once we know how long the status lasts, then we might have a better idea as to how long a passport might last. When we know how how good the take-up is, we might be able to say, well, actually, a vaccine passport is one component. And what you need is a vaccine passport and a test. And that shows your personal antibody reaction. Now, that could be a proper basis for saying, well, actually, if you don't have the right antibody reaction, you've got to either have another vaccination, you've got to do something different. And until you've done that, we've got to take special care about you. 
which does beg the question as to how long this is all going to take. We're already seeing British Airways um, changing, reconfiguring their their app so that you can enter your your vaccine status into the uh, manage my booking section of that. So it's already travel companies are, are thinking about this and trying to adjust their services based on um, whether you've had a vaccine or, or not have a vaccine. If you if a client came to you tomorrow from the private sector and asked for your your advice on this, they said you know we want to do this stuff. How do we get into it from a legal point of view? What what would you say? What what would be what would be the the, the basis of your advice to them? My basis of my advice would be, be very careful. You're going where governments fear to tread. Uh, and that seems to me to be wrong. Governments should take a lead on this. They've got access to the best scientists. They've got the people who can understand the science. If you're a private company, if you're a coffee shop, if you're an airline, that's quite difficult to access the same resources. So we need to understand the science. Once we understand the science properly, then we can move forward and we can start thinking about, okay, it's what happens to the people who haven't got this vaccine status. How do you deal with them and how do you deal with them fairly? Advocate David Cadden, thanks very much. It's an issue I'm sure we'll return to on the Bailiwick pod this summer. Remember, you can stay right up to date with what's happening at bailiwickexpress.com or on our social channels or on our two internet radio stations. This pod is available in all the usual places. If you enjoyed it, please do like and share. The introductory music, by the way, was Shift My Weight by Luno. More next week on the Bailiwick pod, but for now, thanks for listening.